This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu for more information. With stock markets in freefall, U.S. Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson announced on Tuesday that the government's effort to unlock credit markets would include direct investments of $250 billion in bank equities. He also warned bankers not to hoard the money, but to use it to make the loans that lubricate the nation's economy. In separate interviews, Wharton finance professors Richard Marston and Jeremy Siegel tell knowledge at Wharton that while the investment is not without its perils, it appears to be the best hope for restoring confidence in credit and stock markets and for reducing the severity of a recession that is all but certain to come. In the first of these interviews, Professor Marston discusses specifics of the investment plan and its economic implications. Welcome, Professor Marston. What is it about the second part of the plan that drove the market? I think we have to realize that uh, last week we saw that the market not only shrugged off the plan, but they were very upset about it. The mm-hmm. uh, market had one of its worst drops ever. Um, there was, a, I think, the conviction on the part of the market that uh, this plan as, as formulated originally wasn't, wasn't uh, the right type of plan to get the banks to start lending again. I mean, the essence of the problem is that we're going to have a serious credit crunch, and it's going to have a major impact on the economy. And the sooner we get the banks and the financial sector in general uh, in, a, in, an, uh, in better shape, uh, willing to lend, willing to take on credit risk, uh, the better off the economy will be. Uh, the initial plan was to buy up the debt, and uh, the Treasury was going to take three or four weeks to get its act together to start buying the debt. The new plan focuses on equity. Um, it's, I think there's a greater chance for success for two reasons. First of all, it focuses directly on injecting equity into the banks rather than doing it indirectly through purchases of, of, of uh, debt. And uh, secondly, it's a coordinated intervention in that uh, the um, British have already started buying equity in the banks, bolstering the banks. The European, the euro area has come up with a plan for doing the same thing. There's an awful lot of effort on the part of the authorities in the industrial countries to um, to try to get control over this situation as quickly as possible. And I, I think the uh, prospects for success are just much greater than they were last week. How about from the taxpayers' point of view? Are they better off now because they're getting an equity stake in the banks? Actually, I think ironically that uh, with the Treasury taking a more aggressive stance, um, the chance that the taxpayers will come out whole in this are, are much greater. Uh, we will own, as taxpayers, uh, pieces of these banks, um, and um, there's going to be every incentive on the part of the banks to pay back the debt as quickly as possible. Uh, these are going to be preferred shares, and uh, um, if the banks don't start paying back after a period of the first few years, um, the rate of interest goes up on, on the debt. And so there's going to be every incentive for the banks to uh, use the equity to bolster their positions, hopefully to start lending again, uh, but in the meantime to try to get the government off their backs as quickly as possible. Now, the whole plan uh, moves government into a financial role that it's never had before, and it would seem to shift a lot of power from Wall Street to Washington. What are the, what are the implications of that? I think uh, you're exactly right that uh, this is almost unprecedented in, in the role of the federal government in, um, in taking an af- active share of the risk uh, in the financial sector. 
Um, it's unprecedented except for the 1930s when we were in much worse shape than we are today. But I, I think it's the nature of the financial crisis that unprecedented steps were, were, were needed. Um, the financial sector, particularly the banks, investment banks, but also, as we saw with AIG insurance companies, have got themselves into uh, securities, into risk positions, which uh, require someone to come along to bail them out. And there are only so many Warren Buffetts in the world, and um, ultimately it's the federal government that's going to have to step in there and make sure that this financial sector is righted. It's now upside down to make sure it's righted. And that's going to take a lot of imagination. And I think we've seen so far a lot of imagination on the part of the Federal Reserve with Bernanke, on the part of the Treasury, as well as the FDIC. Uh, they understand how serious this crisis is, and uh, in a sense, they're writing the, the rule book uh, from, from anew, trying to do the right thing to get the banks healthy again. We keep hearing that there's going to be a lot more pain to come, even under the best circumstances with, this, uh, with, the, with the new plan. What is that pain likely to look like? Can we say with any, any certainty how many jobs will be, are likely to be lost or where home values will be, will be going in the next 12 months? I don't think we can say with any certainty uh, what's going to happen to employment, um, except that if, um, if the bailout is a success in getting the banks to start lending again, we will have um, a much milder recession than we will have if uh, we continue to see the credit crunch. And we've begun to see that in the last few months, and it's a bit scary to see companies with uh, good credit standing that cannot get the loans that they're normally entitled to, to see households who rely upon credit, who have good credit ratings, who cannot get loans. And this is true all over the country. Um, so far, it hasn't reached the point where we're going to have a serious recession, but I think the potential is there. And as a result, um, the federal authorities um, have had to take this crisis very seriously. Now, of course, this is going to deepen the deficit along with the impact on federal revenues from just a recession. At what point, or is there a point at which we need to become as concerned or more concerned about that than we are about the immediate financial crisis? Well, I think you have to realize that over the last four or five years, the economy has been expanding and uh, Treasury's revenues have, have, have grown. As a result, last year, the federal deficit was only 1.2% of GDP. Um, that's relatively low. Um, this bailout, as well as the recession, and you're right to point out that in a recession, uh, tax revenues really do decline and government expenditures increase. Um, during the recession itself, what we will find is a serious deterioration of the deficit. On top of that, we will have whatever cost there is of this bailout. Now, a lot of people have said we're spending $750 billion on a bailout. Actually, uh, that, that is money that is being invested in the banking system. And we will see later on how much of that is actual cost for the taxpayer. But there's no question that there will be an increase in the deficit. But the deficit we should worry about as taxpayers is the longer-term deficit. 
the deficit that has to do with the growing cost of Medicare, the growing cost of Social Security, the growing cost of having an aging population. That is the time bomb as far as the deficit is concerned. And if the Congress and if public opinion makers pay too much attention to the short-term deficit, they will miss the big picture, which is what are we going to do with a longer-term fiscal health of this country? Right now, we have an excellent credit rating across the world. In the longer term, unless we do something about the longer term problems with the deficit, um, we will have problems with our credit rating. How would you per, uh, rate the performance of uh, Treasury Secretary uh, Paulson and Fed Chairman Bernanke in all of this? Let me start off with the, the easy case, which is uh, the Fed Chairman. Uh, Bernanke spent his academic career making sense of the mistakes that were made during the Depression. And I don't think there's anyone who could be better prepared to understand the important role the banking sector plays in the economy um, and the importance of making sure that the financial sector as a whole is, um, is um, protected from the worst excesses of, of the mistakes made in the past. As far as Paulson is concerned, um, he certainly was named to the Treasury in time for this overwhelming crisis. In a, in a crisis, what you need are people, particularly in a crisis like this, which is, involves so many sophisticated instruments, you need someone who is thoroughly versed in Wall Street, who understands uh, financial institutions, understands financial instruments. We need expertise. And uh, while in the past we've had corporate executives heading up the Treasury who are not versed in finance, uh, Paulson was named just in time, as far as I'm concerned. And it's very important to have someone as with his expertise um, to deal with this crisis. Well, we've seen that the, the, the market reacted very positively um, yesterday, Monday. Um, today was a, a little less certain in terms of what their reaction was. Um, but are we likely, do you think that this represents a possible um, uh, real, true rally in the market? Or are the fundamentals uh, still standing in the way of, of uh, something uh, more significant? I think it's very difficult to know whether or not a particular day or even a week of uh, market movements represent uh, what they represent in terms of uh, the market view. Uh, clearly, there are two things going on as far as the market is concerned. First of all is the direct impact on the financial sector and the marking down of financial sector sh shares. Uh, and with that, any companies that could be directly affected by it. Uh, but in addition, I think the market is recognizing during this period that we are entering recession, um, that um, at this point we don't know for sure how serious it will be. But normally what we see is a downturn in the market in anticipation of the recession. And then later on, we find a, um, an upturn in the market in anticipation of the rising um, uh, earnings of companies during the recovery. In fact, um, I did a study of the last nine recessions, and in every recession recovery period, what we find, and this is going back to 1950, what we find is that in the, the first 12 months of the market recovery, the market rises at least 30%. I'm talking about the S&P. Very sharp rise. And so uh, at some point during the recession normally, um, we see the anticipation of the recovery, and then there is a sharp rise in the equity market. Uh, there, there is another pattern that's very interesting, which is in these nine recessions, in all but one recovery, the recovery itself of the stock market began before the end of the recession. 
The exception was the last recession, where we had to wait until after the recession ended before the market finally turned around. So there's there's a natural tendency for the market to react, first of all, to the signs of, of the recession, to the downturn in business activity, and then later on, oftentimes during the recession itself, to the rising rise in earnings that will occur once the recovery begins. We've, we've heard a lot that the financial crisis, the global crisis, would have a very deleterious effect on some of these emerging economies and emerging markets, particularly places like India and China. What's their position now? Are they still, are they still in, in, um, in, in harm's way here? I think uh, there was a notion in the market that some people believed in um, just a few months ago that there was a genuine decoupling of the emerging markets from the industrial countries. Now we have... Um, the potential for a recession in Europe. In fact, I believe we've already started a recession in Europe in some of the European countries like Germany and France. And um, we probably have a recession in Japan. And we probably have a recession already started in the United States. And what we found is that the concept of decoupling is total nonsense, total nonsense. Um, There's a substantial impact on emerging market stock markets. And um, there's an impact on their economies as well. Now, it's true that China is still growing rapidly, but the growth is being generated by infrastructure projects rather than by exports. And eventually, I believe that even China will slow down significantly. Uh, decoupling, maybe in the future we'll be able to see it, but we certainly don't see it now. And one final question. Is it likely that a legacy of this crisis could be a thriftier America, a th- thriftier consumers, a thriftier government? Um, and and more risk-averse banks? I think it's just undoubtedly true that the household is going to be thriftier in the future. I think just by the very nature of the bubbles that we've been through, uh, first of all, the housing and then the the, uh, real estate bubble, uh, we've ended up with a lot of households that, um, from a traditional uh, definition of saving, we're not saving at all. Uh, what's the traditional save, uh, definition of savings? What you do is you say, how much have you earned this year? How much have you spent this year? And for many households, that's a negative number. Um, I think with the end of the uh, rising house prices, rising stock prices, there's going to be uh, increased attention on saving in this country, and that's going to be a good thing. Um, I think it's also going to be the the case that uh, a lot of uh, state and local governments are going to be much more careful in the future. Uh, This credit crisis is, um, as you said at the beginning, unprecedented. And um, I think it's it's going to alter behavior. And I'm an optimist. I'm an optimist in in the sense that I I believe that um, households, as well as companies, as well as governmental organizations, are going to be a little more careful in the future. Because when push comes to shove in this crisis, they have been unable to um, rely upon financial institutions to provide them with the credit that they're normally accustomed to. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. We're joined by Wharton Finance Professor Jeremy Siegel, who will try to help sort out the impact on global markets of the new chapter in the rescue plan. Welcome, Professor Siegel. The rally following the government's bank investments, is that likely to continue or are the fundamentals still standing in the way of a bull market? There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. You get a lot of volatility at the bottom of a bear market. It, it rallies strongly, then it falls back. Usually after a month or two, it, it'll tend to fall back towards the initial low point of the sell-off, but not quite that low. 
and uh, then starts upward, and and then we get a, a, a nice movement upward in the market. Now, that could be a one month, two months. It can sometimes be four or five months between that. So my feeling is, is we're in the bottoming phase of this bear market. I mean, I've, I've done all sorts of trend lines now, looking at earnings, looking at, at prices, and this uh, sell-off that we've had in the last uh, week, two weeks, has brought us like three or four standard deviations below the mean of the last 40 years. I mean, that, that is how extreme uh, the, uh, the selling has, has gone. And, uh, you know, that, that means that a long-term investor clearly is going to have a uh, – my feeling is is going, to, is going to experience good gains in the market. Okay. And what about overseas markets, uh, especially in, uh, in emerging countries like India and China? Uh, is there, are they going to be taking a, a continuing hit um, uh, because of the crisis? You well, think? It's, a, it's, going to be a, it's a worldwide crisis and there's going to be a worldwide recession. There's not going to be a depression because all uh, governments are coming to rescue the banks. We're not going to have failures of banks. We're not going to have loss to depositors such as we had in 1930s. And that's very comforting. And that is definitely going to, to ease any uh, uh, hit. But we are going to go in a worldwide recession. Some of those emerging markets, in particular China, as we've talked about for many months, was way overblown. And it is coming down to reality. I've, I now see uh, you know Shanghai at 15 times earnings. That's amazing. This, is a, this was a market that was 50 times earnings just a year, year and a half ago. Um, r- right now, I'm, I'm looking around the world, I'm looking at earnings, and I'm even looking at reduced earnings as a result of the recession. And uh, what I see is uh, valuations that are about the lowest that I've seen since the 1970s. And uh, that was a, a, a very bad decade for stocks that set up the greatest bull market in the 80s and 90s that we ever experienced. Is this a uh, uh, a bargain buying opportunity for uh, investors? Well, as I said, I, I, for, on trend lines, what happened last week was just several standard devio- deviations below any trend. Um, from 1970, it was uh, further below than any other sell-off we've had. I went even back to 1945, and it, it's about the same as the lowest point it was – uh, after the terrible 1974 uh, uh, sell-off, which was accompanied by double-digit uh, inflation, uh, interest rates of 15 and 20 percent, and unemployment that in the early 80s actually reached 10.8 percent. So, I mean, we were in really much worse shape in the 70s than we are today. Uh, but it, here is the fear of the financial situation. Uh, it's not as fear of runaway inflation as we had there, which is actually harder to control we finally did it, uh, uh, but uh, it's harder control than to get the lending function going again. Do you think that this was uh, the decision to direct, invest directly in bank equities and actually give taxpayers a share of these of these banks, other than just buying up the the, the toxic paper? Is that a good move for the uh, for taxpayers? Definitely. I mean, we can't give support to an institution and not get some of the upside. And it's it's it was mandatory that we do take some of the upside uh, in this. And I, I, think, uh, I think they did in, in terms of designing these preferred shares 
with warrants. I think it's very well designed. The only thing that I, I, I'm concerned about uh, is, again, giving them capital is not the same thing as getting them lend, to lend more. It's not equivalent. Um, we've got risk premiums on the LIBOR, which is the interbank rate upon which trillions of dollars of loans are based at extraordinarily high uh, levels compared to Fed funds. Uh, these extraordinary borrowing rates must be brought down. Uh, and I, I hope that the uh, Federal Reserve takes further action to bring these rates down um, and, and to encourage the lending process, not just infusion of capital, but also uh, we must keep the lending process going. Secretary Paulson uh, sort of wagged his finger at the banking industry the other day when he announced this program, saying that I don't want you to hoard this money. You need to go out and use it to uh, grease the skids of the economy. Do you think that's going to happen or or do we need – Do we need to do something? Well, it's a nice thing to say it, but what what is going to make that happen? Um, and as I say, uh, it might require uh, the government to back up more loans and say, listen, you keep on lending, we'll back you up. Uh, and if you lend at a more reasonable rate than LIBOR, which is really European banks, not American banks, which get borrowing much lower, uh, you know, we'll back it up even more. Uh, so I, that, that, you know, uh, Paulson said the right thing. But there's, there was no teeth in any of that program that said this money is now to go, be, go out and be lent out. In this whole crisis, how would you uh, rate the performance of uh, Treasury Secretary Paulson and, and Fed Chairman Bernanke? I, I, unfortunately, my opinion of, of Paulson went way down, uh, particularly because of the way he marketed the plan, the way he – it was called a bailout plan. He didn't stop anyone from calling it even though it was not the official. Uh, this idea, give me $700 billion and I know what to do with it, no congressional oversight, that was ridiculous. I mean and, – and he got, you know – pushed back tremendously, it got delayed, then it got more expensive, then he caved in on all the points, being somewhat embarrassed at at sparking and whipping up the anti-Wall Street sentiment that he did and he's responsible for. Unfortunately, it was a terrible failure. It shows you how obtuse he is to political realities more than anything else. Bernanke's been doing a very good job, but he has to he has to come ahead and continue. We, there, there's got to be more going on. As I say, backups of interbank lending. I, I would like to see LIBOR being rebased on the basis of the U.S. rates, which are Fed funds and not the European rates uh, right now. Um, there's a lot of moves that still can be done, and I'm hoping that uh, Bernanke, uh, who's been very innovative in the past, will we'll continue to move forward and, and, and be so in the future. So you wrote the book on uh, investing for the long haul. Uh, is, are you still standing by that philosophy? Oh, yes. I mean, it's uh, – I, I, you know, at the bottom of bear markets, I keep on getting asked that. And I say I'm standing by it and then, you know, people thank me, you know, a year or two later on. It's really painful to go through it. And I do know the decade of uh, the last 10 years have not been good probably because we are at the top of the biggest bubble in history uh, in, in 2000. So when you measure it from there, re- stock returns haven't been good. But if you go back 20 years or 30 years or 40 years, again, um, if you're not investing at the top, you've got great stock returns. And I don't think anyone will argue that anyone who puts money in the stock market today uh, uh, is not investing at the top of the market at a very significant discount 
uh, to the market 40 percent. And from those levels, returns uh, to investors uh, have been very good. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Professor Siegel. Thanks for having me. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.